dip. You could hear it. It was kind of neat. So if you didn't, if you didn't hear it because you were talking too loud, that's fine. But you missed it. But um, I do have a few announcements this morning, uh, and I'm going to try to fill five minutes as best I can. So that so we'll see how that works. But um, first of all, want to make an announcement regarding Operation Christmas Child. Um, when it was all said and done for our church, uh, we brought in 172 boxes. So. Yes, that's worthy of applause because it was everybody working together and God gave us the gift of being able to do that many boxes. It's the most boxes we've done as a church up to the, since we've started, since at least Felicia's been involved. I'm not sure what happened before that, but at least for this several years now, it's the highest number we've had. Uh, total for the whole area, we were down, but a lot of people gave online this year because of COVID. Uh, but I just want to thank everybody for your prayers for the items you donated, for those of you who are at the packing party, Felicia just wanted me to really express her thankfulness for that. Um, And so that was a really cool thing that happened uh, since last week. Um, Hopefully everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving. We were praying for you that that would be a a blessing of a time with you and your family, no matter how big your family was able to be to get together. Um, And today we start uh, Advent. In just a moment, I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, Advent is something that we talk about. Maybe you've heard the word, but it's not something we often do as far as a traditional Advent. But we're going to start that this week, but I'll talk about that later. A couple of announcements. Uh, As we think about uh, the holidays and things like that, there are, right now, college boxes are being sent out to those people who are in college classes. If you know somebody who's a student uh, that would like a box, whether they're uh, on break now or whether they're not on break, however that works, talk to Debbie Kenny. She will get you all the information you need, and you can give her all the information she needs. Any more information about that is in the bulletin. Um, I want to tell everybody something that's not in the bulletin. It should be by next week. We'll have more details coming. But I want everybody to know to mark their calendar for December 18th. Uh, December 18th is a Friday night. Some of you are already aware because some of you have made it known to me that there is going to be a live stream event from Sight and Sound that night uh, called The Voices of Christmas. Uh, And uh, we are going to host a live stream here of that show. Um, And so if you would just mark that on your calendar, it starts at 7. At this point, there is a strong possibility that directly preceding that, uh, we will be taking some time in the gymnasium to sing some carols together. Um, And we're still working out all the details of that, so don't mark my words completely because maybe things will change a little bit, but December 18th, we're going to celebrate Christmas together through that live stream and also hopefully singing together out in the gym. Uh, So once again, just mark your calendars for that and be looking for more information uh, regarding all of that. Um, I want to say there was one other announcement I needed to make. Oh yes, I just wanted to say, many of you already know, but if you are in the young adult age group of 18 to 30 years old, Uh, I know some of you are back from college. Uh, You are welcome to join us. We are still uh, meeting on Tuesday nights as a young adult group, uh, and that starts at 7 o'clock, and we're doing a book study. So if you need to order a book, just talk to me. We'd love to have you join us on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock if you're in that age group. Um, So I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that. All right, so I did say that we are starting uh, Advent. The first Sunday after Thanksgiving begins uh, four weeks leading up until Christmas. Uh, and you'll see that we have this beautiful wreath up here with these big candles. Um, this, is, uh, this is an Advent wreath. It's to remind us of the coming of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. And, of course, at Christmas it, it talks about his coming as a baby on the first Christmas day. But it also goes so much deeper and wider than that. So for the next several weeks, for four weeks plus Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to be lighting these candles one week at a time to remind us of different aspects of Advent of the coming of Jesus. And today you see this big sign here, if you haven't seen it yet, the word hope. That's going to be the theme of today. Uh, That's what the sermon will be on. That's also what we're going to start doing each week is have a different family of our church that we are uh, asking to help participate, to come up and light one of these candles, to read some scripture, uh, and to just begin our service in prayer. Uh, And then the sermon will go on from there. So just be prepared for that for the next several weeks. That's how it's going to work. Um, And for this week, we have Andy and Sally Schmidt. So if they would come up and with their kids, and they're going to be the first ones to light the candle and read for us and uh, 
pray to start our service. So, All right, well, with that in mind, as we begin our service today, we are going to be talking about hope. We are going to be talking about hope and what it means uh, for us as we think about Jesus bringing ultimate hope, and that is what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, A few things just to start off with, and I already said this earlier, but we are experiencing celebrating the advent of Jesus Now, we don't normally use that word too often except when we're talking about maybe the weeks leading up to Christmas. Maybe you've heard of Advent wreaths, maybe you've heard of Advent readings, Advent devotionals, different things like that, but it's not something we would use in our everyday conversation necessarily. Uh, We're not saying when uh, somebody is coming to our house, oh look, it's the advent of my relative, we would just say they're coming. Uh, But this is the understanding of the word Advent. It really means coming or arrival. So it's nothing big, it's no big, deep, dark secret that Advent is some kind of this magical thing. It's simply talking about Jesus coming and arriving. Um, And today, we are going to look at this very first week of Advent. And as we look at Advent, we look at different aspects of Jesus' coming like what it means for us, how it works out, what we can see through Jesus coming. And this first week does remind us, as we've already said, of the hope that comes through Jesus' coming. The hope that comes. Now, i got to stop here before I go any further uh, and talk about hope for a moment. And you guys have heard me say this before, so some of you it's going to be uh, Familiar, but some of you might be for the first time. When we talk about hope, we need to have a better understanding of what the word hope even means. Uh, the word hope, oftentimes we use it very frivolously. Uh, we may hope for lots of different things to happen in our lives. Uh, we hope that someday uh, we will 
that life will turn out the way we want it to, but we really have no idea for sure how that's going to end. Many of you have heard me use this illustration. I'll use it again because it's the easiest one to use. Uh, every time uh, I sit down to watch a football game, this afternoon when I sit down to watch the Bills play, I'm going to hope that they're going to win. Uh, and that's what I would say. Man, I really hope the Bills are going to win today. Uh, but I have no idea what's actually going to happen. That hope is just a, oh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I hope it does. If it does, that'll be good. And so I have this hope that I have really no expectation. It's just a random hope that I would like to see happen, but I have no idea whether it's going to happen or not. Um, however, there's a different kind of hope that we really are talking about when we talk about the hope that comes in Jesus. And it's not this um, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't type of hope. But it's, it's really, when we talk about hope, it's about waiting on something that is expected. It's waiting on an expectation. So I'm trying to think of an illustration, how to point this out, how we would use hope today. And I came up with the traditional Hallmark movie illustration. So this is the day. Uh, um, I am not endorsing Hallmark. I know there's some issues with it. But I will say... Issue, or the Hallmark movies, they give you something that I think is a great illustration of hope. When you turn on a Hallmark movie, you have hope that it's going to end well. That there's going to be a kiss at the end, that they will live forever happily because, you know, they knew each other for a whole, you know, 48 hours and they fell deeply in love and they're going to give their whole lives to each other. You know, that's how every Hallmark movie ends. And if you haven't been here for our marriage and sexuality series, you'll understand that that is not really how life works and how marriage should work. But putting that all aside, what you do know when you come to watch that movie, you have hope that at the end, the couple will be together and everything will work out the way it's supposed to work out. And, at least in my experience, 100% of the time, you'll see a kiss at the end, they'll be happy, and the movie ends with a happy note. Now, maybe you've watched one that actually ends unexpectedly. If you have, please let me know what that one is, uh, because I'd like to watch something different. Um, (laughs) But that is hope, because the whole time you're in the movie, think about this, you're watching a movie, and maybe it's not a Hallmark movie, just some other movie that you know the ending is coming, Uh, even maybe if it's a movie that you've seen before, so you absolutely know what's coming. And the whole time you're watching the movie, you keep thinking, Okay, we got it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. When's it going to happen? And every tension that happens, you know what? The, the worst things that could happen in, in, in a movie when the, when the couple has their, their fight, you know, their misunderstanding, they don't understand each other, and they walk away from each other, and the movie wants us to think, oh, it's all over. They're not going to get together. You know that that's not the end. You know that no matter what hardships come, that at the end of that movie, there's going to be a good ending, that the couple will get together, and we find hope in that in the sense of we are waiting for something we already know is going to happen, and we find that hope in that. This is the type of hope that we should have as we think about Jesus. The the hope that he came is also the hope that we can hold now, and it's the hope that we can have for the future. This waiting on Jesus to do what he said he's going to do and, and to end all things the way he said he's going to end them. And so when we talk today about hope, we need to make sure we are not just focusing on the past. We are not just focusing on the past, but also on our hope both now and in the future. So we light this candle, we think about hope. It is Christmas time and it's Advent and we think of the time that Jesus came as a little baby and he did bring real hope to the world. A real expectation that all that was is not going to be how it's always going to be. He brought light to the world. He brought hope. He brought real expectation of good to this world. Uh, Good news came to the world as Jesus was born. But it doesn't stop there. Because of his birth, because of who he is and what he's done, we also have hope now and we have hope in the future. And that's today what we're going to look at. My hope today is that we don't just walk away saying, oh, isn't it nice that there was a baby Jesus that gives us hope. My hope today, my expectation today, is as we leave, uh, we will be looking at what God is doing now, what he's already done, and what he's going to do in the future through Jesus Christ. And that should give us a confident expectation of what's going to come at the end. What's going to come, what is coming, because Jesus has come. And so that's the hope that we refer to. So when I preach on hope, when I talk about the hope of Jesus, it isn't just, well, I really hope Jesus is who he says he is. I really hope it works out. 
No, Jesus in his word has said he is going to set all things right, and that's where we're going to end today. But he's going to set all things right, and I can expect that and know that. No matter what happens in the movie of my life, whatever happens in the movie of our lives, we know what the ending is because we've already been told the ending. And so we can look forward to that with hope. But we do want to talk about the three hopes of Christmas tonight. We're going to look at the hope of Christmas past, the hope of Christmas present, and the hope of Christmas future. If you've watched uh, the, that, you know, the Christmas Carol, that's what it is. The Christmas Carol, you know that there's three ghosts that come and visit Ebenezer. Well, we have three hopes that we can look to during Christmas season. All right, and I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at a lot of Scripture The majority of what we're going to look at today will not be even my words at all, but they're going to be directly from the Bible. And I think that's important as we think about hope. And there's going to be a lot of reading today, so I hope you can keep up with me. It will be on the screen. Uh, But we're going to jump pretty quickly from passage to passage today as we look at the hope that the Bible tells us we should have. And the first one we're going to look at is the hope of Christmas past. And as I talk about the hope of Christmas past, this is really... Israel, the people of God, Israel in waiting. Now, if you think about where Israel was in their history, uh, they've had a lot of ups and downs in their history with God's dealing with them. They've uh, had everything from conquering the promised land to being exiled. They come back to to the land. And if you know anything about the Bible, you'll know that from the last time God spoke in the Old Testament to the time that Jesus comes, there's about 400 years in which there's no official word from God from a prophet. And in that time, Rome has come in, and Rome is now uh, oppressing Israel. They are the, the rulers of Israel. Israel is not its own kingdom at this point. And to be honest with you, Israel is in a bad place. They're not in a good place. They're not where they want to be. And so they've been waiting. They've been waiting and waiting on God, who said throughout the Old Testament that he was going to bring them ultimate hope. Now, unfortunately for Israel, they thought ultimate hope came as a result of throwing off the bonds of Rome. But it was so much greater than that. It's actually what the hope is going to be given to them through Jesus is going to be the hope that they can not only not cast off Rome, but that sin will be dealt with. The greater enemy will be dealt with. And so we see in the Old Testament some passages that point Israel towards this. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read the Old Testament passage in which God told Israel, this is what is coming, this is the hope that you can have, this is the expectation that you should have, and then I'm going to read uh, from the New Testament the fulfillment of that promise, the fulfillment of that hope that came as a result of Jesus on that first Christmas. And so that's where we're going to start. So, we're first going to look at Isaiah 9, 2-7, and we see that there is a ruler who brings justice. The promise was made that there would be a ruler who brings justice to the world. That brings real justice to the world. We use that word a lot in today's world, but I don't know if we really understand what justice really is, because God is the ultimate author of justice. And there is a ruler who will bring eternal justice, and that will be and is Jesus. So it is foretold in Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. We already read these, but let's read them again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke is his burden, and the staff for his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor you have broken on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle and tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the promise given through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel. That there would be one born to Israel that would be an everlasting ruler that would bring ultimate justice. And we see the fulfillment of that in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is a direct fulfillment of what we just read in Isaiah 9. Mary is told that the child that she will bear is going to be the everlasting ruler on the throne of David, like is mentioned here in Isaiah chapter 9, and the fulfillment is seen in Jesus. The ruler that Israel had been waiting for, that had been hoping for, is none other than Jesus Christ himself, the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. That is who is here, and he's going to be born uh, of Mary the Virgin. And many times we hear this story and we think it's just a cute little story, but if we were there, if we were Israel, if, if we were Mary, the type of hope, she knew what to expect and now she's seeing it happen before her eyes. The hope is being fulfilled through promise that there would be a ruler who will bring justice forever. And so that is something that, they, that Israel could hope in. It's something that we hope in, that there is ultimate justice that is starting at Jesus coming and lasts forever. The next thing we see from the Old Testament to the New is that there will be a servant. There is a servant who brings hope. There is a servant who brings hope. And so we start again back in the book of Isaiah 42. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, a light for the nations. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring the prisoners from the dungeon and from the prison from those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The servant that is to come to Israel, the servant king. You know, we just talked about a ruler, but this idea of a servant is the same idea, a king who would serve the people. And we see that now Israel is promised a ruler who would be everlasting and a servant who would come to bring everlasting justice again. A servant who will knock down all of the false worship that there is in Israel and in the world and that there would be hope for the Gentiles even in this part of Isaiah as well. That the whole world can have hope. Not just Israel, but the whole world. Matthew twelve fifteen through 21 is the fulfillment of this. Matthew twelve fifteen through 21 Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many who followed him, he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. So here we see in the New Testament, we get to Matthew. It's, it's Jesus himself is, is ministering to people and he is fulfilling the promise that was made to Israel of the servant who would bring hope to them. That would bring ultimate justice. That would not only bring hope to Israel, but bring hope to the whole world. And that's who Jesus is 
we see that in his name, the Gentiles will hope. This is not just for Israel, but this is for us. I don't know if any of us are fully Jewish. Maybe you are, but whether you are or whether you're not, we see that there is hope for the Jews and there is hope for the world. Jesus brought real hope to the whole world as the servant of the whole world. And so once again, Israel can have hope in that, the world can have hope in that, we can have hope in that. And finally, we see uh, just one other prophecy that is fulfilled from the book of Isaiah. And we see that there is a child who brings salvation. A child who would bring salvation. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew 1, 18-23, we see this promise fulfilled in Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Uh, before they came together, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for, what which is con- for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. A child would be born that we know is Jesus, born of Mary and the Holy Spirit, is what we're told here. And that child would bring true salvation, bring God with us. The presence of God is manifested through Jesus' birth. It was seen, it was shown, there was a child who would bring salvation. Isaiah prophesied it. Matthew tells us here that it was all completed the way that God had planned. That Jesus is the one who brings hope. He is the child who brings salvation. He is the ruler who brings justice. Those are the things that Israel could find hope in. That the world could find hope in. That we can find hope. That there is salvation, there is hope, and there is justice because of Jesus. No matter how bad this world is, there is justice and salvation and hope that is always ours to access through him. So that's the hope of Christmas past. There's many other prophecies that we could have looked at today that pointed towards Jesus as the Messiah that were fulfilled by Jesus. But those are the three big ones as I talk about hope. The fact that a ruler and a servant and a child were foreseen to come to set things right, and Jesus is that person. Jesus is the hope that we have. But let's talk about our second hope that we have in Advent and Christmas. It's the hope of Christmas present. It's the hope of Christmas present. Whereas we've seen what God has already done through his promises, through, the, through fulfilling many of the prophecies in Jesus... That hope was had then when Jesus was born, but it didn't stop in the manger. It didn't stop when Jesus, the baby, is born. Hope continues today. And as we have that hope, what I'm really looking and thinking about is that we are waiting for Jesus throughout the hardships of our present time, throughout our present life. Going back to our illustration again, a lot of if, if we're watching a movie that we know how it's going to end, and through the movie there's hardships and there's problems and there's anxiety that happens those things don't bother us as much as if we, if we already know what the end is going to be. And the thing is, within this life, there is hardship. Within this life, we are living in dark times. Speaking of going back to Isaiah, saying that the people who are in darkness, they're dawned a great light. Like It feels like sometimes in our own life, we're living in a world of darkness. Everywhere we turn around, there is anger and there is a lack of hope. There is hopelessness. There is darkness. And right now, we can have hope. Right now, where we sit today, we can have hope in who Jesus is. We can have hope in his advent, in his coming before, and his future coming as well. I want to take us to Romans 15, where we see this. God's fulfilled promises bring us hope. Seeing what God has done in the past should bring us hope now. Seeing what we just talked about should bring us hope now. A confident expectation that Jesus is the one setting all things right. That he is the ruler, the servant, and the child who makes everything right. Who brings justice. So God's fulfilled promises bring us hope. And we see this in Romans 15. 
Romans 15, 4 through 13. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the, un- to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, and he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And then this beautiful verse in Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Romans tells us very clearly that as we look at the fulfilled promises of God through Scripture, that that should fill us with an abundance of hope right now. Not just have hope in the past or have hope in the future, but have hope right now where we stand. Because we know that God's promises have been fulfilled, they're going to continue to be fulfilled, and therefore we can have true hope that comes from God. That, notice, may the God of hope fill you with all this joy. May you abound in hope from the Holy Spirit. God can give us hope in today, right now. Through Him, we can have real hope. Maybe you find yourself today in life just hopeless. It doesn't have to be true. Submit to God, submit to the Spirit, and you will see that you have abounding hope and expectation that Jesus is setting all things right even now. Let's look at this next part of our present hope, and that is Jesus' work on our behalf will bring us hope. Not only what we've seen God do from fulfilling his promises, but specifically what Jesus has done should bring us to a point of real and lasting hope. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we have obtained access by faith to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I'm not going to break down this passage very far, partially because of time, but partially because if you go back even into our Wednesday night ABF teachings... Justin breaks down Romans 5 for several weeks, and it's wonderful. If you haven't watched them yet, go back on our website, find them, and see what we are told here in Romans chapter 5. But the nutshell version of it right here is what we see is that we can have hope. But why? Because we have been justified, that we have been given peace with God through Jesus, that we have obtained access by faith into this grace. We've been shown grace. That the love of God has been poured into our hearts and that the Spirit is giving that to us. And again, what should that do? Well, it says earlier on that we should have hope. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings. And this is where I want to just park for a second. We rejoice in our sufferings. And then it goes on and says all of these things end up giving us hope. How many times when we're suffering, when we're hurting, when life isn't going how we want it to go, and we can get depressed and go into despair, we can be hopeless and think that there's nothing good for us coming. Well, what are we told here? What Jesus has already done for you is greater than anything that's happening to you right now. He has saved you. He's justified you. He's saving you now. He is holding you. He is pouring his love into you. And that is where we can find hope, even in the darkest of days, even in the hardest of times. That we don't lose hope because of our circumstances. Because our circumstances pale in comparison to what Jesus has already done for us through justifying us and bringing us peace with God. That is the greatest gift we can ever be given. So no matter how hard life gets, no matter how 
tough it is. And sometimes life is tough. I'm not going to lie to you today and tell you that the, the life you live is always going to be easy. And everyone has different layers. Some people, you just don't even know which way is up any longer. But there is some place to look, and that's to Jesus. That is the hope we can find. Even at Christmas, as we think about his coming, he has saved us, he's justified us, he's working in us, he's pouring his love into us, and that is the hope that we can have. So Jesus' work on our behalf brings hope, but then finally, and this is where I don't want us to miss, Jesus himself is our only true hope. Jesus himself is our only true hope. Our hope is not ultimately just on the fact that we have uh, received salvation because that can even be a selfish thing. Like, oh, good, I have hope because I got what I wanted. That's not the point. Uh, hope doesn't just come through the promises that we've seen fulfilled, but the promise itself is Jesus. The work that Jesus did cannot be accomplished without Jesus, and therefore, Jesus himself is our only true hope. That is what we need to anchor to. That is what we need to cling to. Jesus himself. Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, not the baby but jesus the savior see i think a lot of times at christmas we focus so much on the cute little baby in the manger that we forget that that's not the end of the story there's so much more to it jesus goes on to live his perfect life that he needed to live because we couldn't he goes on to give his life on the cross to die a death that we deserve to die because of our sin because of all the times we've turned away from him and walked our own way jesus lived that life he died that death. He rose again for our salvation. And it's all Jesus. It's all him. It's nothing about us. And he pours his grace and his love into us because he chooses to do that for us. And we trust in that. And that's where our hope comes from. Paul understood this in 1 Timothy 1.1. As he writes a letter to Timothy, he starts right off the bat by saying this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God, our Savior... And of Christ Jesus, our hope. He didn't say here, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of our God and Savior, and of uh, the manger, our hope, or the, our salvation, which is our hope, but he specifically says, Christ Jesus, our hope. All hope comes through Jesus. If you try to find hope in anyone or anything else, even if it's good stuff, even if you think you find your hope through church, Listen, come to church. It's a good thing. Keep coming. Don't stop. Okay? But even if that's where you find all your hope, that's not the right place to find all your hope. Your right place to find hope is through Jesus himself. Now, you find hope at church because we are his body, but we can't just be here in a building. That's not going to bring real hope. Singing Christmas carols about Jesus is great, but if we find our hope based on the feelings we get from singing and from thinking about Christmas itself without really focusing on Jesus, we're not getting the point. Colossians 1.27 tells us this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is our only hope, and we're told in Scripture that as believers in Jesus, he is in us. And that is the hope we have. That no matter what life brings, Jesus is right here. The Holy Spirit has indwelled us, and Jesus is literally in us. He's here with us all the time. Talk about Emmanuel, God with us. We have an everyday Emmanuel. Jesus is always with us, in us, and that is our hope. It's him that is our hope, nothing else. Let's move on to talk about the hope of Christmas future. And what I mean by this is our waiting on his second advent. So there's the advent of Jesus as he comes as a baby, but there is also coming a second advent, a second coming, a second arrival in which Jesus physically comes back to set all things right. Because right now we're living in his kingdom, yes. He is, he, is, he is ruling over all and he will rule forever. But physically that hasn't happened yet. But it is coming. According to the Bible, we see that it is true that his second arrival, his second advent is coming. And we have to find hope in that. It's the end of the movie that's coming. We know it's there. And so we can hope throughout the whole time that he is coming again. And some things are going to happen as he comes again the second time he comes. 
First thing I want to talk about is the full redemption of all creation should bring us hope. The full redemption of all creation should bring us hope. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that this whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but, who, but for who hopes in what he is sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. If this isn't the definition of hope, I don't know what is. Right here, waiting for it with patience. The redemption of all creation. That God is going to take all of creation that has been just wallowing and waiting after sin has destroyed and cursed all of creation. That creation is waiting to be restored and that we are waiting to be restored as God's creation as well. And all of that is going to be restored. We're going to see the redemption. He is going to make everything right again. He is going to return the world, the creation, to what it was meant to be. He's going to bring us in to be what we were meant to be without the stain of sin, without the, the sin that has destroyed everything. It's going to be gone, and we wait eagerly for that time. That's what we're told in this passage. We wait patiently. We wait eagerly. We want to look to this and say, no matter what is happening in this world, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. No matter how bad life is, no matter how awful things seem, look to the future, have hope in the future, know that even though it's not going right now, that one day it's all going to be redeemed, that the creation that we live in that is broken, that is sinful, that is hurtful, that is bringing us down, our very hearts that will bring us down, all of those things will be redeemed, all of those things will be released, and we will be back to what it was meant to be, and that is what we hope for. We don't see that now. Notice the hope we don't who hopes for what we, don't, we do see. In other words, this isn't about what we see. So what you see now in your life is not where you need to focus. Don't just focus on what you see out there now, but focus on what you know is coming in the future. That is hope. We wait on it with patience. Are you waiting for the return? Are you waiting for the redemption of all creation? Or are you living for today and living for the broken creation that's here? It's a question we all need to ask. You're not going to find true hope if you're just looking at what you can see. You'll only find true hope as you look at Jesus and his future coming. Which brings us to the next point. The hope of Christmas future is, yes, the full redemption of all creation, and it's the return of Jesus to gather us with him, and that should bring us hope. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I don't know how often I've ever heard this read as a Christmas verse, but it really could be, because if we're reminded of his first advent, we should be looking forward to his second advent. 1 Thessalonians four thirteen through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, so that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord." Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul wanted the Thessalonian Christians to encourage each other with these words. The words that the return of Jesus is coming, where he will gather us all together. And notice what it says when we are all gathered together so that we will always be with the Lord. Jesus is coming back. There is a second advent coming. And I didn't get the numbers on this, and I, I thought I'd remember, but I don't. But 
is you look at Scripture, you will actually see that there are about three times as many prophecies about the second coming of Christ as there were for the first coming of Christ. This is something that is vitally important to all of Scripture. It looks forward to the day of the Lord. It looks forward to the day that Jesus will return. And we should live in light of that. That's what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians here. He's saying, look, if you want to have hope and encouragement, remember that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for those who are going to die. He's coming back for those who will still be alive. And it is going to happen. And we can have hope in that. It's an expectation. Jesus is coming back. It might be, I don't know when it's going to be. It could be very soon. It could be very far from our perspective. But in no matter when it comes, we know that it is coming. And therefore, we should live in light of that. We should live in light of the fact that any time Jesus could come back for us and gather us together with him and we will be with him forever and all things will be right because we will be with him. And everything that happens now will just be completely forgotten. So we look forward to the return of Jesus. That is something we can have hope in, expectation in. And then we go to this last thing, which they all obviously can correlate together but eternal life with jesus in the new creation should bring us hope as i said all of creation is going to be redeemed as jesus returns and he's going to create all things new and he's going to make all things right he's going to make all things new second peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 13 tells us about this hope that we can have but do not overlook is this one fact beloved that with the lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day the lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you be in life? What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for, that's that hoping idea, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. As, P- as Peter writes to this church, they're, they're, they're looking at life and they're seeing the persecution that is surrounding them. And they're wondering, why isn't he just coming back? Why won't Jesus just come and stop all this suffering? Why won't it just happen now? And what we're told in Second Peter here is you need to know that God is looking and waiting for people to repent. And But that is all to, to remind us that God is patient and loving and his kindness is here. And his mercy, he wants to, sh- to shower it on people. But then he says, but listen, at the end of it, when God does come, when Jesus does come back, everything is going to be burned up the way we know it, and everything is going to be made new. There's going to be new things that are going to be resolved as the old will pass away. And he says we need to be waiting for that day, waiting for new creation to come, hoping in it. And what is that day going to look like? Well, let's read Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Many of you know these verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither, there sh- neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. This is what the future holds. Now lest we get too concentrated on 
not having any crying or pain or mourning. And all those things are bad and they will no longer exist. But that's not even the point of this passage. Notice the point of this passage is this. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. We will forever be in the presence of our Savior, the one who has saved us, redeemed us, and loves us. And we will be with him forever. Sometimes we talk about heaven and we get so caught up on I well, I just can't wait to walk on the streets of gold. That's not the point. The point is that the streets of gold that we'll be walking on, we'll be walking next to Jesus because he'll be with us. And that's our hope. Our hope today is that Jesus is coming back, that he's going to redeem this creation, that we are going to be living in a new creation, that all things will be passed away. But he says he is making all things new. The world, the life, the world we, as we know it will be no more. And it'll be perfect in justice. It'll be perfect in what we need it to be. Because God will be the one who is with us all the time. So, we live in a world today that is filled with fear, anger, fallenness, hopelessness. And as Christians, we need to realize that if we know Jesus, that no matter what is going on in this world, we can have true hope that is lasts forever. So we think about Advent, we think about hope. Jesus was born and that showed us that there is hope. We know that there is hope right now because of what God is doing right now. And we also know that there is hope for the future that all things will be set right. And so no matter what happens in this world with a virus, no matter what happens in this world politically, whatever happens in this world with anything that's going to come against us, if 2021 is even worse than 2020, you know what? We still have hope. And we need to show that hope and speak that hope and live that hope and believe that hope because we are the ones that the world is going to look to when all things are falling apart. We know that everything that's falling apart now is one day going to be restored completely and we can have hope in that. And that should drive us to live each day with a different perspective. That we should look at this world, not for all the bad things and how we just need to get through it, but we can look and say, this, there is something coming that is so much better and I can live in light of that right now. I want to read verse 8 from Revelation chapter 21. Because there is a sobering, humbling thing that we need to consider. Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This hope that we have, the advent of Jesus, it's only hope if you know Jesus. It's only hope if you have received the gospel. Not that you are perfect without sin, but the whole point is this list of sins that is mentioned here, we are no longer those things when we know Jesus. We are no longer cowardly or faithless or detestable or murderers or sexually immoral or sorcerers or idolaters or liars. All of those things, we are, as we've looked at in Romans 5, when God looks at us, he sees us as righteous. He doesn't see us as these things any longer. So what's the point here? Well, what we're told in Revelation is that the coming of Jesus is not good hope for everyone. It is only hope for those who know Jesus and actually have committed their ways, their lives, who believe in him to the point where they trust him with their life, that they have hope in him. So don't buy into the fact that there is any kind of false hope that you can have. When this world falls apart, if you don't really know Jesus, your hope is going to fall apart. And I don't know, there might even be people here as we come into Christmas that, you know what, you think you have hope. You think... Uh, that you are going to be in the new creation. But if you haven't completely, really believed in Jesus and repented and turned away from yourself and turned towards Jesus, if you're not living a life that is redeemed by him, that is that hope is there, that you see fruits in your life, then you might not have the same hope that somebody who really knows Jesus might have. And so you need to consider the gospel. I shared it earlier that Jesus lived the perfect life, died the death we couldn't die or, and uh, that we deserve to die, that he rose again to show his power over sin and death. And we believe in that and we put ourselves completely in his hands and we say, Jesus, I trust you for everything. So then no matter what happens, I know that I'm in the hands of Jesus and there's nothing that can ever tear me out of that. 
no matter what happens in this world. It's not about my effort. It's not about how good I can be. It's not about how well I know the Bible even. It's not about how much I sing good Christmas carols at Christmas time. It's about, is Jesus holding me? And so if Jesus isn't holding you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus and just said, Jesus, I can't do anything on my own. I need you. Please, Lord, take me. That is our hope, is the gospel. It's Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, then you don't have hope. You might have the cheap hope that comes as you watch a football game. But you don't have real hope. So today, as we enter the Christmas season, will you consider, if you are living in light of the hope that Jesus brings, do you even have that hope? And if you do have that hope, if you're sitting here today, Christian, live in light of it. I see so many Christians who are living a life that looks no different than the world. We're down and out. We're hopeless. We act like everything is terrible. We complain every chance we get. That's not hope. We are waiting on Jesus. He is coming to set all things right, and we can trust him for that. And that gives us hope this Christmas season as we enter Advent. Would you join me as we close in prayer this morning? Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had. Lord, I thank you for the hope that you've brought us, only hope that can come from you. I pray that as we go from here, that you would not allow whatever happens in this world to tear us away from the hope that you have given us. God, we know this hope lasts. And if there's anyone in this room or hearing my voice now that does not have real hope through Jesus, God, would you just show them their need for that? Would you just allow them to truly surrender their lives to Jesus, to turn from their way of living and to just trust you and put themselves in your hands? God, would you help us that know you to truly remember the hope we have and God, that would change the way we live. Would you help us to hope? I pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.